G'day guys, Scott Peterson here. In this series of Hometown Heroes, we'll be having a yarn to some of the local legends, from sports stars to business owners and to those characters in our community that are just getting things done. We'll find out how they got here and what makes them tick. Let's get into it. Today I'm joined by a couple of champion blokes uh, I've known a long time. We, we all went to boarding school together. Actually, and as things turn out, we've all ended up living in the same hometown here of Orange. I'm joined by Ed and his much better looking brother, David Swift, who are Printy Wines. Everyone in Orange would have seen the label, seen the advertising around. Um, they're both very passionate about the wine industry. Um, Printy's done some great things over the years and I just thought it would be a good story to um, learn a little bit more about them both and and I guess the the Printy journey journey I should say so welcome Dave and Ed to the podcast they're both good mates of mine so this should be pretty easy and hopefully we can keep it on track but um, before we get into your current life guys as I've just mentioned we we know each other from boarding school Printy as as I knew it when I knew you both was a, a functioning sheep and cattle farm when did the conversation start in the Printy household the Swift household who who planted the seed excuse the pun on vines. Oh, excellent question, Scotty. Um, mate, I remember being, we'd left school by this stage mm-hmm. and I remember being living in Brisbane for a while and mum and dad ringing me. This is back in 1995, 96, something like that. I remember visiting you. Yeah. Up there. And uh, I remember receiving a phone call and they telling me they were going to plant a vineyard and me being quite dismayed at the idea because that was not what we had history in. Um you know, we've all come from pretty diverse backgrounds, but viticulture and winemaking wasn't one of them. <laughs> so I found it a very strange uh, option, you know, to in 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 terms of looking forward and what, what our family was going to be known for. And I actually didn't think at the time that I'd have a- absolutely anything to do with it. To be to be frank, and, and tell me, did you did you know anything about the wine industry at the time, or, or viticulture, or growing wine grapes, or oh, I'd done a trip to the Hunter Valley at some yeah, stage. Yeah, I think. yeah, been to a twenty first. Yeah, there. yeah, something perfect. like that. And I'd probably I'd probably had something a bag in box, you know, <laughs> yes. floating around yeah. at a party. But uh, no, mate, we had, and none of us had any particular um, expertise in in the wine industry. Yeah, wow. Um, so it was a bit of a departure from yeah. from the cattle and sheep. Yep, you know traditional farming that that we we had had been doing through our childhood. Yeah, and what about you, Dave? Where where were you situated when when the when Jim and Ruth decided this is the path we're going down? Well, yeah, being three years younger than Ed, uh, it was well and truly not in my wheelhouse. No, <laughs> yeah, I didn't had had zero interest and or knowledge uh, about grapes and or the wine industry. I guess at that stage, though, wine itself was far from what the interest was. It was an agricultural. So it wasn't about the end product. It was about growing yeah. fruit. Uh, and whilst we had some you know, expertise with background in farming, I suppose, but uh, Ruth, our mother, is a horticulturalist. And so we took some safety and security <laughs> in the fact that she had read a couple of books and knew. Knew how to prune a grapevine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We had the, the viticultural one and number two books yeah. on the on the table at home and, and that was enough to get us started. Yeah, wow. Uh, interestingly enough, though, and to their credit, before we'd even planted the first vine, we had a contract to sell fruit. So that I think made the, made the decision a little bit easier. Yeah, wow. Once you make that investment. And I guess it's an easy conversation for me coming off a 
a sheep and cattle station. Um, growing wine grapes, it's, it's still farming, right? So you, you're subject to the elements, drought, floods, fires, all those sorts of things. Do you find it easier, um, how do I say this, is it the same challenges? Are you facing the same challenges now, Dave, as you were? Uh, yeah, listen, the first thing there, though, is most people forget that wine's a raw, pro- you know, raw yep. product. It's, a, it's yep. an agricultural product. Yep. Um, you know, you, if you look at beer or any other spirits and bits and pieces, they're manufactured goods. Yeah, they use products that are that are grown, but you can get them off the shelf. You know, you can buy them bulk any day of the week. The market's there. So a lot of wine drinkers kind of forget that it all goes back to agriculture and we're at the whim of, of the climate, same as anybody else. So that's really interesting. Those challenges are, are the same as, as any other crop. So you can yeah. homebrew beer, can't you? Yeah. But you can't. No. I'd never thought about well, that. Well, and we only get one chance a year. Yeah. You know, we get one crop a year. So if you're if you're making beer, you can buy those ingredients yep. all year round. Um, and so, yeah, in many ways, climate is, is more important to us because we, we get one dig at it to get it right. And I guess in my industry now, being in real estate, you know, succession planning, we hear all about that thing. I, th- I think one of the greatest um, success stories with Printy is that it is still a really tight family orientated business. As um, should we separate them before I ask this? What are some of the challenges that you face working alongside your younger brother, mate? I've got an older brother that yeah, yeah. no, no. Listen, we're we're actually we're actually really lucky. I mean, working in a family business has a lot of great positive things to talk about. Um, it's a delight to 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 be able to know people intimately and know how they're going to react in certain situations and all those sorts of things and not have to second guess what's going to what's coming. Equally, it has a lot of challenges. You know, um, often there's probably in our case, and I think in a lot of traditional farmers' cases, maybe a lack of communication between parties. You know, someone's heading one direction, someone's heading another, and you kind of don't realise till you. <laughs> Till the crash happens. Yeah, either side of the fence or, yeah. you know, till you come colliding. So, um, and often, you know, when, when it's something, there's something about the land and agriculture and the soil and that makes you not think straight. If we, if we were just in business together, we'd, it'd be easy. You know, yeah. we'd just go, oh, well, we, we need to do this and we've got to divide it that way and, and we all walk away and it's all easy. But for some reason, when it comes to agriculture, people, it catches you. And you can't seem to make as many easy decisions, I think, just looking looking at history, yeah. you know, looking at a few friends <laughs> and those sorts of things. So we've managed to, to sail a pretty, you know, smooth path to date. Absolutely. Um, but it's not without its challenges and we've got more coming, yeah. you know. Mum, yeah. mum and dad are still involved in the business. So that was my next question. How Where are Jim and Ruth in the decision-making of the day-to-day um, operations of, of Printy Vineyard and the and the wine making. Uh, I think if they could, if they could decision make from the golf course, <laughs> that'd be. Um... How is Jim's golf going? <laughs> His handicap's well down. Yeah, it's good, very good. good. Yeah. Um, no, listen, they are involved in the business. They're not. Yep. They're not involved in the day to day minutia. Yep. You know. You know. Do we? Do we? You know. Do this today or do that today? They're, you know. They're not. They're not. Um, taking that sort of level of interest, but absolutely in terms of the overall direction and, yep. and you know, big decisions, yeah, yep. they're, they're absolutely still involved. But I can see them wanting to to move away from that and yep. probably 
it's probably in some respects it's it's a bit of a battle for them. They probably feel like they should be involved more, but then they want to spend a little less time in the office and more time doing some other stuff. And I get that. You know, I want to be when I'm their age, I want to be playing golf. Yeah. Five days a week as well. Actually, they don't play five days a week. <laughs> Absolutely. So 1996, the seeds planted. Um, Ed, you come home from Brisbane, Dave. You're in graphic design in Sydney. Um, I think by, was it 2005? I've really researched this well, Ed. 2004, I think we saw the first commercial. Uh, well, mate, you, you, you're skipping over a bit. Okay. Yeah, you're skipping over the bit where you helped plant one of the vineyards. Well, look, I was <laughs> going to bring this up, but the, the podcast is, you know, also whilst I'm in the driver's seat, it's not actually about me, but you're right, listeners, I actually was rodeoing at the time and was gainfully employed. A very employed, successful career. <laughs> very successful career. Was gainfully employed by the Swifts and I actually put in some of the rows in the first vineyard at, at Printy. Um, so in, I guess in a sense... I have played a big part in your success. You've actually come a long way. Thank in you. Your, in your, with your wine knowledge these days. Yeah. From those early days. Yeah. Um, so 2004, did we see the building, we built the winery? Yeah, 2004 we built. So end of 2003 for the 2004 vintage, uh, we built the winery and transitioned from being a fruit grower to a winemaker. So... Obviously, that, that nervousness in, in 96 when we planted grapes was all back again. Yeah. Because similarly, we had no experience making wine. Uh, selling it. Or selling it <laughs> or packaging it. Or <laughs> Needless to say, we had no experience in any of that. Um, but timing-wise, it was actually really it – was, it was a bit of a stroke of luck uh, because that was really at the start of the, the oversupply, the glut. Um, I don't know, you know – Many people would kind of remember the, the the wine lake, the you know the vast volumes of wine that was was in oversupply without any markets and sales, and so shifting from fruit sales, which is when you know that period of time fruit sales started to tank at the same time, to marketing our own product and making and marketing our own product was probably a really smart. Well, hindsight would suggest here we are still. Absolutely. It was a very and, smart decision. Absolutely. And and I guess it was a game changer for you guys. Um, you know, I, I'm the first to admit um, wine is not my strong point, but the glut too was uh, with the oversupply, was that wines that were maybe not to perhaps to a certain standard or to an export quality? No, or no, no, they- no. Listen, there's there's a lot to why it occurred, but much of it is is over. Planting in the nineties, yeah, right, um, which we were a part of. Yeah, you know, it was there were there were a lot of tax incentives yep. to to plant, and not just grapes. You know, olives and um, oh, blue yes. gums and pine forests, and yep. there were a lot of benefits to. And so there was there was mass plantings occurred during that period of time. Yeah, and we really just sort of ran into that mass production altogether. Yeah. With markets, you know, certain markets not performing as they should, and export and bits and pieces. So, yeah, it was just kind of the time was right for you know massive crops, good conditions, big yields, uh, and not enough people to drink it. And then, when did Printy? When, when did you guys? Was there a point in your time where you thought we've got a great product here? We're starting to market it well and. Is that an ongoing thing, Dave? You've got a big well, smile just, on your face, uh, uh, and you're yeah, making me nervous. It's, no, no, no. It's something we talk. <laughs> I talk about in the cellar door every now and then because people often ask about the name. Yeah, you know, Printy. It's actually it's the name of our property. 
It's also um, got a, a, is it Wiradjuri? Is there something to do with the goanna? A, were, it's a lizard. So yep. yeah, yep. similar to to a, a goanna, but now yep. extinct. Um, and it wasn't actually in this area. No, it was tasty and slow. It was yeah, tasty and slow. Yeah. As it says. yeah. But interestingly enough, when we looked at branding and, and coming up with a brand name, one of the reasons we didn't put our family name on it was because we we lacked a bit of confidence. <laughs> Mm. And we didn't want it to be a well. If I was piggybacking it around like you have for the last ten years, <laughs> yeah, I, I would lack point, confidence Scott, too. So uh, we didn't want to put our name on it in case it was a, <laughs> in case it was a flop. So good, good, good yeah, yeah, yeah. So that didn't come until we we started the sparkling when we yep. added the Swift, which yep. which was six years in after we'd been making wine for six. Well, you're years, making this we're pretty confident. Really then. easy for me, Dave, we'll because go. we were about to. You know, I know segway segway. Um, your wines have been hugely successful and then sparkling came along and that from where I sit, correct me if I'm wrong, has been a bit of a game changer for Printy. Um, I know you guys um, just got awarded a silver medal at the world, uh, is it the world championships, Ed, that we call it? or Oh, that'll do, Scott. Well, yep. what The notes I'm reading clearly says world sparkling wine, world championships. Um, the world's toughest and most prestigious champagne and sparkling wine competition with over a 1,000 entries from 30 different countries and you got a silver medal, mate. Yeah. Listen, we have been really happy with where the sparkling wine, you know, have the wines have ended up. The sparkling program for us went back to 2010 now, so it's been 11 years despite the fact we've sort of only had product in the market for, I don't know, six six years or so, um, it's, it's something that, uh, we were, we were confident at the time that, uh, we had a good, a good product, yep. but it's, it takes time. Traditional method sparkling is one of those things that you just have to be really patient with. Can I interrupt there? Of course. Can we have a two minute breakdown? H- how do you, how do you make sparkling? Dave? Yeah, so there's there's a number of different methods. So we'll, we'll only I'll only cover the one we do, which is traditional yeah. methods. So bottle. I'm not worried about anyone else. Mate. No, don't worry about no, anyone no. else. We're, not we're that prosecco yeah, shit yeah, that yeah, other yeah. people drink. Fashion pop. I'll yeah, go across yeah. It. Um, so bottle fermented. So we do we do a primary ferment in the winery. Uh, so you've got a base wine. We then add sugar and yeast and re-ferment. Uh, so we add that into a tank, bottle it, and it ferments in bottle. What, what sort period. of time period? So it will ferment around about three months. Twelve yep. weeks is ideal, yep. and that sets the the bead, the bubble in the in the bottle. You want a really slow, even ferment, uh, and then it just sits. So you know some of our products now are, I mean, some of them are ten years in bottle uh, until we we finish them. So which is disgorging them. So that's when we finish the bottle for and the product for for sale. Really. Mm. Um, so when Ed talks about patience, uh, I'm. Terrible with patience. Right. Uh, it is one of those products that you just have to have a bit of faith and and sit it back and wait. Um, so the first, you know, the first four or five years were difficult. A lot of output, you know, making wines every year and just sitting them down and bottling them and sitting them there and waiting. But we're now we're selling product every year. Um, so that that patience isn't such a problem now because there's always product coming back out. Well, mate, I, I just look at it. So how long? The sparkling's been on the. How long have you 2010, been? Two thousand and ten. We bottled so, the first wine. So eleven years into yeah. your sporting and, and career, mate, you're yeah, a yeah. silver medalist at the world. And title, interestingly so enough, I mean, we've still got one of one of the wines we've got in the cellar door at the mo- moment that we pour is from that first year. Wow. Um, so it is a ten year late disgorged, um, yeah. which is it's 
Listen, it is one of those things. I guess at the end of the day, it, it's it, it's extremely. I'm extremely proud to be able to then look at those things after such a period of time. Yeah. Because back then, I don't think we had any any idea that we'd be hanging on to product for that long. And that's not just a credit to us and, and Drew and our winemakers, but to Orange as a region, like it is just so well suited to, to making those kind of wines. And I know you've got a big project on up at Printy at the cellar door there at the moment. Ed, um, what, what's the vision up there, mate? I, I see a lot of prefab slabs going up. and Mate, the vision is to have lots of long lunches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, mate, we anyone that's been around here for more than five minutes would know that our original cellar door was out towards Molong, yep. and, which is where our family property is and where the winery is and those grapes that you so well planted for us back in the day. Um, but it's a bit far away from sort of the, the centre of the action, which is really sort of centres around the, the city of Orange. So we, we needed a uh, spot closer to town. And so some years ago, nearly six years ago now, we, we um, found this place at Nashdale and we've had some grand plans that we've been looking at and mulling over for many years, probably a couple of years before we actually found this place, we were mulling over um, what we were going to do up, you know, at this this site. Um, and finally, we're kind of getting to that pointy end. So, yes, you're right, mate, there's some stuff going up in the air, There's, uh, which is really exciting to see. But there's going to be a new cellar door there. Uh, there's going to be a restaurant, which is which is the long lunch um, venue. venue. Um, and I hope to see all my good friends there. Um, but uh, waiting for an invite. <laughs> listen, it's it's really exciting for us. It's it's a bit of a departure. I mean, you know, just in this conversation, we've spoken about where we've come from, and you know, we were we were basically commodity grape growers, you know, twenty something years ago, and and then we went to to wine makers and wine manufacturers. But when we first started that part of the the journey, we were selling the predominantly through wholesale channels through distributors and the like. And and we're starting to change how we're doing that. We're not necessarily making any more wine. We're just redirecting yep. where the product goes. And and through the cellar door is is kind of the the real um, highlight for us. That's where we can we actually meet, you know, those people who've got an interest in our product and um, have the opportunity to talk to people face to face, which we didn't get a lot previously because the the market was elsewhere. It was Sydney, it was Brisbane, Melbourne, wherever, um, and we weren't that sort of at the coalface, so to speak. But the cellar door has been a real, really good thing for us. The last 12 months, you know, June long weekend, 2020, after COVID shutdowns and actually I'd, probably if you step back a fraction, I mean, 2020 had probably been, even before COVID started, had been our worst year to date. Was that with the fires and the drought? Yeah, or that- so, so so a combination of drought and fire. Yeah. Um, yes, we'd had drought. We didn't have fire, but we had the smoke through mm. the region. And, and that, that caused us to not harvest any grapes for the first time in our career. And that was a big – that was – Lots of days of conversations about do we, don't we, do we, don't we, you know, backwards and forwards. What's this going to mean for for the business and for us going forward? And that was a really tough time. Mm. And we made some tough decisions, which in hindsight were the, were the right ones and that's that's all great. Um, but that then followed on with, 
with COVID and and the shutdowns and and all of a sudden we didn't have a we didn't have a, a crop that year. We then didn't have a market, and we wondered whether the market was coming back. And so last year was you know it was the old sporting analogy. I was a real tailor too, you know, a game tailor of two, two halves. halves. Yeah. <laughs> it was a game of two halves. The, the first half of last year was an absolute shocker, and yeah. we we were wondering you know in May of last year whether we'd still be sitting and having this conversation today. Wow, wow. Um, and and then you know roll on twelve months. And we've seen, you know, how many people have been flocking to regional centres, yeah, and and how well all these regional towns are doing and and benefiting from, you know, international border closures and all that sort of stuff. I mean, it's getting a bit sticky again at the moment. It is as we speak. Yeah, as we speak. But um, it's it's been a a really good, you know, period for for all regional tourism, anyone that's involved in tourism and hospitality in, in regional areas has been really good. So, mate, it's um, that that side at Nashdale's been very much the kind of the big game changer for us. It's the kind yep. of putting us um, sort of front and centre in the, you know, the, the cellar door trails and the and, and hopefully the, the dining and, you know, trail as well. So it's and pretty exciting. It, it, will it be a venue? You know, can you hire the restaurant out? Is it, would, are you... Can people get married there? Are um, you going again, or are you? No, no. no. I um, I'm just asking for a friend. <laughs> um, yeah, no. Just curious. Just curious, mate. There's a lot of unanswered questions at the moment. Okay. Um, the the idea at the moment is probably to operate it as a, a dedicated restaurant as much yep. as we can. Yep. I'll never say never. Yep. But, um, look, time will tell. Yep. Fantastic. So, guys, thank you. Thank look. Thank you for coming in. The whole idea of this concept for me, I've never done a podcast in my life. I don't we've, sit easily. We've we don't even been know in a podcast. Well, mate, well, it's my honour to have you both <laughs> in here to be the first one. And rest easy. I don't even know if we have an audience yet, Ed. But um, the whole concept, you know, as I said earlier, is 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 champions of orange. People at, you know, sporting, yes, we'll, we'll cover that um, and business. And I, I just think Printy is a great yarn. Um, maybe I'm a little bit biased because I've known you two for a long time, but you know, to go from a functioning sheep and cattle farm to, um, I don't, I don't want to harp on it, but again, a silver medal at the world championships is, um, it's a good yarn. So boys, thank you very much for coming in. Thanks for keeping it PG. I was a little bit nervous. (laughs) Um, anything else you'd like to let anyone know before we go? Mate, I just wanted to say how nice it was to give us beer on on the arrival here. Mate, that's fine. Yeah, you really did that's your fine. research well. There's no <laughs> camera. I know you're a Carlton Drive fan. So I do quick uh, uh, three quick questions which I haven't told you about to prepare. So you've just got to answer these as quickly and as honestly as you can. Um, Dave, favourite footy team? Tigers, sadly. Mate. Mate, I'd forgotten. We're yeah, both on yeah, Tigers. Yeah, I know, I know. Was it 66 points oh, Melbourne yeah, put on yeah, the yeah, other night? That was yeah. a good one, yeah. See, the, the pause wasn't that I didn't know. No, it, it was, was the I pain. Didn't want to say it was the pain. Yeah. Edward? Mate, Roosters. I know. Yeah. You've been a Roosters for a I, long time. I cop a lot of grief, but. It's because mate, you're cheating. You're under the. Sentence. You will recall, Scott, from, from boarding school that I wore a Roosters jersey at nearly every <laughs> rugby training. Because <laughs> it was the only one, one I had. had. <laughs> okay, Dave, favourite place to dine in Orange? Chard. Chard. Edward? Uh, all of them, mate. They're all great customers. Yeah, I yeah, love yeah, them all. Yeah. Great answer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Great answer. State of origin this weekend. Pick the scores, Dave. New South Wales, 32-16. 32-16. I better just ad lib 
uh, insert date, Friday 25th of June here. So it's the second state of origin at Suncorp. Ed? Uh, it's going to be a tight one. No, I think, it's not. I think the Queenslanders are going to pull their finger out but still get beaten. It'll be 22 to 16. Thanks very much, boys. Thanks for coming in. Thanks for being a part of uh, what I hope is a you know little story that takes off. But well done to Printy. Um, I think you're both champions. Thanks, Scott. Thank you, mate. It's been a pleasure. Well, thank you for listening, folks, and stay tuned for the next episode of Hometown Heroes. Remember, if you want to suggest someone in our community that I should be talking to, feel free to get in touch with me through Instagram or Facebook. 